Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. How are we doing? We are good. Man, you're good, we're good. Jesus is amazing. Man, we serve a good God, and we're so glad that you came this morning. We want to welcome you. If this is your first time, if you've been here a few times, you belong here. And we're so thrilled that you came, and we want to let you know that God loves you. We love you. And we serve a happy Jesus this morning, and I'm thankful for that. <laughs> and uh, this morning, we're going to be continuing on our series, This Is Living. Because, uh, I mean, as believers, as Christians, we should be the happiest people on the planet, should we not be? Oh, yeah. All right. I mean, have we got your happy face on this morning? You know, one thing that I do on a on a regular morning with my, with my kids. And sometimes, you know, kids don't wake up on the right side of the bed. Sometimes I don't wake up on the right side of the bed. But that's not an excuse to not just get it happy. So actually what we do, uh, you know, this was, as we know, the fall back. Everybody got an extra hour of sleep? Yeah. Parents, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> we all bring it on. Anybody up 10 to 5? or t- I was up at 10 to 5 this morning. Ready to rock and roll, might I add. It was like, okay, kids are up. They're wanting to do blade blades at 4.50 a.m. Hey, let her rip, man. That's what we do. But uh, even before that, so we had a little bit of, you know, there's a little bit of a struggle this morning, a little bit of anger that came around, you know, around the 8 o'clock mark since we've been up for almost four hours at that point. Uh, so, you know, this, the, the flesh starts to kick in a little bit. So we said, hey, everybody, let's put everything down. We're going to just get our dance on. So we just put on some tunes. And you cannot help it, but you cannot be angry and dance at the same time. It is impossible. I encourage you to try to be miserable and... All of a sudden, eventually changes and it turned into, or the four of us, it turned into a little bit of a mosh pit. You know, it kind of got crazy and we were hitting each other and, and we got happy. And so I got happy kids this morning. So let me encourage you, if you're kind of feeling a little bit, uh, well, tonight, six o'clock is our worship night. So it's, it's going to be good. And we're just going to, we're going to just go into the presence of God and have, a, have an awesome time. So make sure you come to that. <clears throat> but if you got your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 10, verse 10. And as I said, this is our series. This is living. And I, I'm... I'm excited about what, what Jesus is doing in this church. I, I'm, I'm thrilled about it. it I mean, that's, that's kind of a lack for words. I'm, I'm excited about what he's doing because he's reaching people and reaching them where they're at to show them who he is so that they can be changed. Jesus changes lives. It's not, you know, it's not the, the organization of a church that changes lives. It's Jesus. So everything we do here is we want to amplify and make Jesus big so that when you see him, you can't help but go, oh, he's amazing. And that's my prayer this morning is that you and I not just hear some cute words, but you actually hear Jesus speak to you for yourself. Because I'll tell you for my own self, this, what we've been talking about, getting rooted in the love of God, something is changing in me. And it's, it's, it's softer, it's sweeter. I find myself crying more. All you men went, what? Yeah, yeah. I, I found myself just love me throughout the week and it's starting to change me. I haven't seen anything natural perspective say but I know there's something changing on the inside and eventually it's going to manifest on the outside. So I want to encourage you, if this is something that you've, okay, you've heard lots of this, okay, you know, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, but hear it because it has the potential to change everything about your life. It has everything to change everything about you. This is, this is what we are discussing. So I want to encourage you, dig deep in this. Go into this. This is a fresh word from heaven for you to get this morning. And uh, so let's, let's go in. Expect it because if you don't expect it, nothing happens, right? Okay, so let's go here. John chapter 10, and I'm just going to lay a quick foundation again just so we're all on the same page. But in verse 10, this is Jesus' words, and he's telling us this is what the enemy does, and this is what he came to do. The thief comes. Everybody say the thief. Okay, so this is what he came to do. The thief is here on planet to do three things, to steal, to slaughter, and to destroy. This is what he's after doing. So anything that you see that's going on in this world that has to do with stealing, that has to do with killing or slaughtering or destroying, it's of who? The enemy, the thief, the sa- Satan himself. God is not in stealing, killing, or destroying. That is not who our God is. He's a good God. On the contrary, Jesus said, I have come to, that, to give you what? Everything in abundance. Now, I love those words, to give you. 
He came to give you. He didn't come so that you had to work your butt off in order to attain everything in abundance. No, he's saying, I came to give you everything in abundance. Those words right there are huge. So if you've got a Bible, man, underline it, circle it. He came to give you, not for you to earn. He came to give you, say it with me, to give me. Again, I'm not earning this. I'm not working hard to achieve this. He came to give me everything in abundance, more than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. This is what he came to give you. Now, I'm going to do my best not to yell this morning because I I do a lot of yelling. I'm not yelling at you. I'm just excited. I'm just... (sighs) Count to two. I'm, I'm okay. But this is the life that Jesus came to give you and I. So again, just to reiterate, what did, how do we experience this life? He came to give it. Where does it begin? It begins in seed form, which comes in the thought. The only way that the enemy can steal, kill, and destroy is through thoughts. The devil can't just come into your life and do whatever he wants. He needs access. And if he has access to you through a thought, then he's able to come in and steal. I mean, I've, I've talked with people recently that this depression thing is a big deal. And where does it come? Is it from God? Is God depressed? Does he have any depression in him? Absolutely not. So obviously, depression is a thief. There's a thief to it. He's trying to steal your joy. You are the joyous people. That's who you are. And the enemy's trying to steal your joy. See, start seeing yourself this way. I am a man full of peace. And the enemy's trying to disturb that. Right? Jesus came to give it to me. I'm a possessor of it. I own this. I have joy. He gave me joy. And the enemy's coming to steal, trying to take that away. And he does it through all these different means out here. But Jesus said, I came to give you life. So again, now how do I experience everything in abundance more than I expect? Life in its fullness until I overflow? It's through my thought process. So we've got to make sure that throughout the week, you are not just giving yourself a nice little snack on Sunday, but you are constantly feeding your spirit the word of God so that it can expect and see the abundant life that Jesus came to give you, right? The same way that you feed your body, sometimes more, th- more than three times a day. How many feed your body every day? Oh, yes. Yeah. We know how to do that, Right? We know what to do when that, when that comes to down. We know how to feed, feed our minds, right? You can f- search different things and we're reading and up on news, news stuff and going on. So we're feeding our soul area. But what is feeding your spirit? It's the word of God. There is only one thing that'll feed it and it is the word of God. And that's why Jesus is saying, come hear from me. Pay attention to what I say, right? That's the only way to feed your heart. So that's, this is what we're going to do this morning is we're, we're feeding your spirit, right? Okay. So our root for living, Ephesians chapter 3, look at verse 17 again. Ephesians 3 verse 17, it says, Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. I'm thankful he's there. How did he get there? I don't know. How did he get there? He got there by acknowledging and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead. What happened? The Holy Spirit came in and he sealed you. You are now sealed. Right? Say it, I'm sealed. Now, when you think of that word sealed, I kind of think of, you know, the glad sealing, you know, the, the, really the, the paper wrap or whatever you call that. It's got like the super duper sealed stuff now. Have you seen those on infomercials? When they, you can seal stuff for like years apparently and it won't go nasty. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I've had some sealed cookies that were, for a while, they've been sealed in this, you know, protective case for a certain period of time. And I open it just to check the freshness, and guess what? It was fresh. So not only is the seal, what does it do? It keeps the bad stuff from coming in, but it also keeps the good stuff from going out. You are sealed. Nothing can get into your spirit. That's hands off. That belongs to God. He can't get out. (laughs) Right? So this is where we're talking about is in our mind game. This is where it begins. So you've already been sealed when Je- you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He now makes his home in your hearts. Then now what do I do? Okay, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now what? Now I'm in this lifelong process of rerouting my life, rerouting myself from all these different things that I depended on as my source, whether it was my education, whether it's a job, whether it's my finances, whether it's family, no matter what it could be, I'm getting outrooted out of those places and rerouting myself in how much God loves me. Because any other route will throw me off. Any other route will not suffice when the tough times come. The root of my life is God loves me. 
Say it with me. God loves me. Say it to yourself over and over and over and over again until you get it. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. This moment is not Jesus loved me. It's Jesus loves me this present day. The same love that God showed at Calvary is the same love that I'm supposed to be rooted in every single moment of every day. The love of God isn't supposed to be just felt at the altar when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, however many years ago that was. It's supposed to be up to date, fresh to this day. He wants to love you today. The same love at Calvary is still here present today. And he wants to overwhelm you with that love. So we got to yield to it. We got to stop throughout our days, how hectic it may be, good places in traffic, and just go, you love me. Oh, you love me. How much do you love me? You love me so much you gave me, Jesus. You went bankrupt for me. Let that start to transform and let that word wash over your minds and see how you can't stay angry in traffic. (laughs) It'll just change you, but you got to do it, right? Awesome. I have a quick thing. Uh, Okay. My wife just told me something. Cool. Um, The Passion Bible, it says this, the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. This is the source of my life. This is the resting place of my life. Is in what? How much he loves me. Not in how much I got in the bank. Not in how much insecure that I have. I have everything, all my ducks in a row. No, I'm secure in life because of what thing? His love for me. Come on, you guys got to, you got, you have to hear this. You got to get this. This is the only thing that will change your life. This is the only thing that will keep you in the tough times is God loves me. Money can't heal a sick body. What are you going to do? Got to go back to my root. What's my root? God loves me. And what happens when sickness tries to attach itself? God loves me. God loves me. So what does that mean? God loves me. So he wants me to be sick? Are you kidding me? God loves me. Therefore, Jesus, you said in your word that by your stripes, I am healed. Therefore, I am healed. I just want to thank you for it. I receive it. It's his job to heal. Your job just to receive it and believe it. That's it. Let's keep, let's keep it simple. But that's who our God is. Amen. Okay. Let me continue reading on in this. Verse 18. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should. So notice, this is what we should be knowing. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. Oh, man. And go on. It says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now it says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within you to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. It says, praise glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, one of the things the Lord told me just this past because I was meditating on this. He says, I want you, uh, where is that wording? Or he said, don't settle for this just to be head knowledge. Let it be an experience for you. But he said, let your imagination go wild on my love for you. And he showed me that just Romans 8.32, if God gave you Jesus, what else, what would he withhold from you? If he gave you Jesus, think, just think about it. How hard is a rent, rent check? Man, I got to pay my rent. Well, he gave you Jesus. Is that difficult for him to get to you? Just put it in those terms, right? He gave you Jesus. What, what do you mean about this cancer? He gave you Jesus. If he gave you Jesus, he'd give you anything, right? So let's not compare. I mean, what's a million bucks to the price of Jesus' life on the hanging on the tree? You can't even compare the two. So if he gave you Jesus, why would he withhold any good thing for you? All right, so let your imagination soar on how much he loves you. You know, God loves you so much that there's nothing that he wouldn't do for you. And it goes a little bit further. God loves people so much that there's nothing that he wouldn't do through you. Oh, man. You want to flow in the gifts of the Spirit? Is that a desire of your heart to flow in the gifts that you see in 1 Corinthians 12? I know that's a desire of mine. You've got to want it. I want to be used in the gifts. Lord, use me wherever you see fit, however you want to use me. The, the preface for this is God loves me, but God loves other people. It's not to showboat. It's not to say, oh, look, I can perform in the gifts. No, it's because God loves people. Lord, you make me a vessel that you're able to pour through and give an encouraging word. Give something that will, you know, reach them wherever they're at. That's the root. That's the cause of this whole thing is the, is the love of God. 
Okay, let me continue on. 1 John 4, 16, it says, we know. Everybody say, we know. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Can we read that verse together? It says, we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. It's like reading a Dr. Seuss book a little bit. (laughs) But we know how much God loves us. That's experiential knowledge. It's not just head knowledge. I've experienced this love, and now that I've experienced it, I'm also to now trust this love because of what he's done. I'm going to just quickly cut through some of my stuff here. But how will I know when I'm rooted in the love of God? What will be some of the effects? My thinking will change. How I view life will change. How I view circumstances or problems will change. How I view job will change. How I view people will change. Just get ready for this. Because a lot of times we got to think, you know, I got, okay, I got to love people. I got to love people. You cannot love people properly until you let him love you. It's kind of the, you know, the illustration that, you know, you've been on an airplane and they tell you if in case of emergency, put on your face mask first and then you help somebody else out. Well, it's the same case here. Let God love you and show you how much by you taking time to meditate on it, thinking on it. Let him love you and put that, you know, oxygen mask on you, that love mask. And in turn, you're able to now do it to somebody else. It'll, it's, it's so different than you trying to work up love. I got to be nice. I got to be kind. That is tough work. It's very hard to do. I've tried that, man. I got to be nice to this person. I'm going to be nice to the person. Then you see the person and just the sight of them, you want to punch them. <laughs> so what am I going to do? I'm going to now just get rooted in how much he loves me. And from that root, it becomes so much easier just to flow in love with everybody else I come in contact with. You know, I can honestly say this. I love our prime minister. What? How can you love that? When you're rooted in the love of God, I don't agree with the politics, but I honor the position. It totally changes. Because I'll be honest, you know what's going to keep you from experiencing what God has for you? Hate. <laughs> it won't work. It just flat out won't work. It's stepping out of love and into, into hatred, into sin. It's just, argh, you're going to miss everything that love's trying to communicate to you. So I'm going to stay on the love, you know, it's kind of old-fashioned, but you're going to, I'm going to dial it in on my tuner. I'm going to stay on the love connection, and I'm going to just let love flow because from that place, I hear him. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Amen. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> Last thing, how will I know if I'm rooted in love? How I speak will be different, and what used to scare me doesn't because perfect love casts out all fear. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's talk trusting his love. And we said this, in trusting his love, why can I trust the love of God that he has for me? Because of three things about God's character. God is love. So what does that mean when you hear God is love? Well, there's three things that we, I just highlighted real briefly last week. Number one is God cannot lie. Since God is love, he cannot lie to me. He won't lie to me. So when he tells you to step out and do something, he's not trying to say, oh, tricked you. No, he's going to tell you only truth. Right? Every time you open up the word of God and you see what the word says, it is only truth. Right? The second thing we saw is that God cannot change. God will never change on me. So one morning he's happy, the next morning he's frustrated with me. No, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. So when it's saying trust in his love, well, how can I do that? Well, because he doesn't lie. He will never change on you. And thirdly, God is a rewarder. This is who he is. He rewards those who diligently seek him. If you diligently seek God, guess what he said? I'm going to reward you. You're going to be rewarded. And it doesn't come every 15th and 30th. It comes in all types of ways. He rewards you. I have healthy children. That's a reward. I'm not, gonna, I'm not battling sickness and disease. I'm not battling depression. That's a part of the reward. I'm walking with him. It's a reward. Right? And of course, all the financial, all those things are incorporated into it. Why? Because he loves you. So now, we said, you know, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Why does he say that? Why did he tell you and I this? 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Because at some point, what God is going to say to you, at some point, what God did for you back 2,000 years ago, it's going to tilt your mind and go, this is too good to be true. So you're going to have to choose. Here's the choice that you're going to have to make. God's not going to force you to do anything. But when something is contradicting from the natural perspective, from what he said, go with what he said. When something looks totally contrary to what the word says and is so different out here, where are you going to go with? Are you going to go with what are you seeing out here or are you going to go with what he said? I'm going to go with what he said. So this is the choice that we have to make, even though it may be different, but because his love is so vast, his love is so high, so deep, so wide, so long, what we're going to do is we're going to have to make the choice to trust him even though it seems too good to be true. And this is what we're going to talk a little bit about this morning is what did love do? What did love do for you and I? This is, this is amazing stuff. And as soon as we grasp it and understand it, it'll radically change your life. I believe that with all my heart because it's happening to me. Things are changing in me. Even over this past week, it's changing. So I want to bring you to this verse, John chapter 1, verse 17. But again, I want to keep this in your mind. What did love do? What did love do? What did love do for you and I? John 1, 17, very familiar scripture. It says, for while the law, everybody say the law. The law was given through who? Moses. Now notice the next part. Un, or grace, unearned, undeserved favor and spiritual blessing and truth came through Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's talk about the first part. What is the law? What's the law of Moses? Anybody have any idea what that is? All right, that's the first half. Yeah, the Ten Commandments, right? And actually, if you do more research and study, and it's actually 613 commandments. <laughs> you might as well just quit your job, basically quit life and focus on just fulfilling those commandments. That, that's very difficult to do. Now, let's talk about this. What is the law? What is the purpose of the law? Now, I want to, reason you, you may know this already, but I want you to look at it from love's perspective. What is the law? The law is in the Old Testament or the New Testament? It's in the Old. So that means it is before the cross, right? Because after the cross, God started a brand new covenant, which we call the New Testament, the new covenant, right? So the law was in which covenant? The Old Covenant. That's where it is. That's where it's from. Now, the Old Testament, I'm going to just give you a couple of verses here. Romans chapter 3, verse 19 through 20. It says this, obviously the law applies to those to whom it was given, talking the old covenant, for its purpose, now this is the purpose of the law, is to keep people from having excuses and to show the entire world is what? Guilty before God. So what's the purpose of the law? It's to keep you and I from having an excuse I'm saying, well, I, I didn't know. I'm not able. Like, God, I didn't know that wasn't part of the, the, the contract. I, I didn't know that. To have any excuses and to show you and I. So what's the law do? What do the Ten Commandments do? It shows you and I that we are guilty before God. Okay, verse 20. Look at Continue on. No one. We're saying no one. That means me. That means you. No one can ever be made right with God. By doing what the law, the Ten Commandments, the 613 Commandments say. So you can't get right with God by being, you know, I'm going I'm to honor my father and mother today. I'm going I'm to kill anybody today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work harder doing this. But if you mess up in one area of the law, it means you've messed up in the whole law itself. Right? So oh, I, I'm a good person. Like this is a verse that you hear a lot out there in the world and say, well, if you were to die today, where would you go? Oh, I'd probably go to heaven. Oh, based on what terms? I'm a good person. According to what standard are we measuring that? Good, good compared to what? Well, I don't, you know, I don't steal. I don't cheat, right? I, I don't do those types of things. Oh, you know, but every once in a while I do, you know, tell a fib here or there. Like once in a while. But if you do that, it says the law says that you are guilty of the whole law. You're guilty of it. So this is what the law came to do. Now, I grew up going to you know, a school that I went to. This is what we did. We memorized the Ten Commandments. This is what we were taught, right? Number one, and you hit it off, number one. Number two, all the way down the list to ten. I don't even know if they knew there were 613, but 
Those are the 10 that we really focused on and we talked about all the time. But for believers now, this is a huge part that we're missing, is if you and I, I'm going to ask you this question, do we live according to the 10 commandments today? Some of you that don't know. What's the answer is absolutely no. It's not. The law simply shows us, I'll continue, I'll pretend I never asked you that question yet. Let me just finish this. The law simply tells us or shows doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. The law, basically the way that it is, just imagine that you went out on a blind date, right? And, uh, you know, it's, you think it's going great. It's going awesome. You're having a good time with this person. And you're like, you're just going to excuse yourself. Go to the washroom for a quick second. Freshen up. I don't even know what that means. Like, (laughs) I don't go to the bathroom to get fresh. I like, you defresh in there. I don't know. Whatever. It's like, (laughs) just going to go freshen up. Like, yeah, can you find a different room? Like, can you, yeah. Isn't that right? Like, that's weird. I don't know. Anyways. But hey, if you, there's a certain, which restaurant? I think it's, uh, I think it's Moxie's. They had a, they have. That's a place I'd go freshen up in any time. They got chairs in there. It's like, man, I'd have a men's Bible study in there. Like, there's two chairs, and they're facing each other right beside the sinks. Like, I remember I thought, like, I'm going to, after, you know, wash your hands and you freshen up, I just sat down for a minute. And I went, you know, guys are walking in. Hey, have fun in there. <laughs> Let me know if you need anything. <laughs> Oh, yeah, just freshening up. But you're just sitting in there. They also have TVs. That helps too, right? But anyway, freshen up. I don't know what... I, oh, yeah, so you're on this blind date, and you freshen up. You forgot you had your date, so you have to get out of that chair and go back to your date. But while you're freshening up, you look into the mirror, and you notice, because you ordered spaghetti, you got spaghetti sauce all over your face. It's all over your shirt. And what do you do? Are you kidding me? She probably thinks I'm a loser now. Like, it's over. I might as well just end it. It's not going to work. But what happened is, what, what just revealed that to you? The mirror revealed what is wrong with your face, right? <laughs> the mirror does it. Sadly, like, a lot of times we, look, we, we try different mirrors to make ourselves look better. I mean, at the gym that I go to, there is so many people looking at the mirrors, trying to look. I swear, those mirrors make you look bigger than you are. Like, I mean, some guys are like flexing in there like, sir, you should not be flexing. Like, there ain't nothing there, man. Like, just go back to the rack. Like, this ain't working. But anyways, the law is that mirror. This is what the law is. The law is the mirror showing you how ugly you are. So if we keep living by these Ten Commandments, guess what? It's not going to set you free. It's going to just keep telling you how ugly you are. I will not kill. I will not kill. I will not kill. And realizing you have thoughts of wanting to murder somebody. So what's it doing? It's showing you how ugly you are. This is God's plan. He wanted to show you and I. Not only that, but it shows you God's standard. It shows you what God is like and that you would never be able to achieve that on your own. That's the whole purpose of the law. It's to show you how nasty you look with spaghetti all over your face. And now look at this, Galatians chapter 3, 19. It says, why then was the law given? The law was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. This is what the law is for. So anytime that, you know, I, you know, I'm talking to somebody around, whatever it is, and just saying, hey, what would happen if you were to die today? And well, I'm a good person. I'd go to heaven. Well, that, that means absolutely nothing. It, it, means, it means diddly. Go back to verse 19 there, guys, for a sec. That standard won't work. It says, the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through the angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. So how long was the, the law supposed to last till? It's supposed to be here until Jesus got here. Okay, now look at verse 23. It says, so until the revelation of faith for salvation. Now, does everybody know that, that terminology? Till the revelation of faith. What is the revelation of faith? Is that you can believe in God and what Jesus did on the cross for you. That's, that's my faith. I believe what Jesus did. Until that revelation for salvation was released, the law was like a jailer. What did he do? He holding us as prisoners under lock and key until the faith which was destined to be revealed would set you free. Oh, remember, what did love do? Look at the next verse, verse 24. It says, the law becomes a gateway to lead us to the Messiah so that we could be saved by faith. Then it goes on, verse 25. But when faith comes, 
the law is no longer in force since we have already entered into life. Oh man, what did love do? He took you out of the law. Because what, what is the law? The law, if you read it over and over, and you, find, you read the Old Testament, especially in Deuteronomy, it talks a lot about the blessings and the cursings. And what does it say? If you will, then God can. If you do, God will. That is Old Testament. Right? And this is the thing that we talked about this a couple weeks ago. But in 2 Timothy 2.15, it is so important that we rightly divide the word of truth. Because if you don't rightly divide it and you wrongly divide it, wrong believing equals wrong living. And we got so many people, and I've heard this statement before, God helps those who help themselves. What scripture is that? Do you know who said that? Besides your mama? (laughs) Who said that? Benjamin Franklin said that. That's not even a Bible verse. It's nowhere even found. (laughs) Benjamin Franklin said that. So, we, this is, so we, we have all these people that are working hard, and the focus of the law is then, if I do, then God will. That's the Old Testament, the focus is on you. But thank God we are out of that law. What is the focus now on? The focus is now on Jesus and what he did for you and I. So that's no longer based on me performing a certain way, because listen, this is not behavior modification. That's religion. And you see all this stuff, and I mentioned this last night, but man, you see all the religious people come out on Kanye West. You know Kanye West? Man, that rapper? Man, I listened to him in high school, and it wasn't all the best music back then. But now he's writing some stuff, Jesus is king, and you hear the whole world gotten a big stink on this guy. Can I be honest? Watch out for those people. Watch out for them. Right? Always this, and it's not, it's, nothing is ever good enough. Want to know why? Because they're comparing it to the law. It's just a bunch of religious hogwash. And actually, if you read the book of Philippians, Paul tells us, he says, watch out for those dogs. Pay no attention to them. And you know what this is? Luke chapter 15, you know that the prodigal son? When the other brother, came, the younger son came back home and the father threw a big party, what did the older son do? Hung it outside, right? And he said, why don't you ever give me anything? Man, what's going on all this? Be careful for the older brother. Now, I'm, I'm a good one to y'all, so you're, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> but what it is just that religious mindset creeps in and nobody's good enough to be in the presence of God except for a select few are you kidding me again it's that is past that is gone we are now in the new covenant under a brand new covenant and it's not about you anymore at all in fact it has very little to do with you <laughs> who's it on Jesus what's my part I believe and I receive everything he did Oh, that takes it out of it. And when you get into that believing, receiving mode, man, it changes your Christian life. Now, no longer are you trying to work your butt off in order to please God or work hard enough to give a blessing or give a thousand dollars and you'll see a million dollars in your bank account the next day. (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) S-T-O-O-O-O-O-P-I-D. Stupid. But this is where a lot of the Christian world is at. If you do this, then God will. God already did it in Jesus. That's the good news. And so when we come to church and Max starts belting out, I'm free, man, just join in. I'm free. But you don't know what happened. All that realizes and all that tells me is you don't know what Jesus did for you. That's all that it means. So the good news is, is you can go to him and you can find out what he did and he'll show you what he did and you'll just walk in freedom. That's all that it is. So don't ever just, you know, mix up law with no knowledge of what Jesus did. I don't have to work hard. And I remember, like, especially in my, when I first got turned on to the Lord, I got turned on, but I was a very religious guy. I remember this, I was not, I wasn't feeling too well one morning and I just thought, no, well, people, they go for runs. So I remember it was early, early in the morning, Jamie was asleep and I was like, I'm going to go for a run. So I ran, I ran hard. I'm like ready to puke at any moment, just... <laughs> I'm doing this because if I just, I'm trying to prove to God that I believed his word. And meanwhile, I came back, you know, probably about 25, 30 minutes later, crawling in the house, ready just to freshen up, (laughs) (laughs) exploding, just not in any good way. What am I trying? I'm trying to earn something from God. It's the totally wrong motive. What am I doing now? I believe what he did. It's his job to make it come to pass in my life, not mine. 
I don't heal myself. I can't do good works to heal myself. I can't give enough for in order for God to give me a blessing back. I give now from this place of he loves me. It's an honor and a joy to give back. Why do I go to church? Not because I got to do my religious duties. I go to church because he loves me. And I love him and I love his body. Right? And he says in his word, don't neglect the assembling of yourselves. I love his word. I'm going to do what he asked me to do. Man, it's totally different. So rather than obedience now being part of my life in the sense of, okay, I got to obey, I got to obey. Obedience now is the fruit of my love for him. It's a joy to obey him rather than, I got to obey, I got to do this right, I got to do this right. That is Old Testament. It's religion and it will not work. Ah, freedom. So what did Jesus came to do? He came, Jesus came, or look at John 1, 16. It says, and now out of his fullness... Out of whose fullness? Out of his fullness, we are fulfilled. Out of his fullness, I'm fulfilled. And from him, notice the words that you see in the New Testament. You don't see this in Deuteronomy. You see, if you do this, God will. In the New Testament, we receive grace heaped upon grace. You see, this terminology is so different. In times past, God gave, and he continues to give. Anytime you see the word gift, put the word grace in your Bible. It's the same Greek word, charis. It comes from the same place. God has given gifts and gifts and gifts. What is that? Grace. And so again, look what came through Jesus. What came through him? Grace. Undeserved. What does undeserved mean? I didn't deserve it. I couldn't earn it. And it says unearned. Oh, and then it says spiritual blessing and favor came through Jesus Christ. Wow. And it says also truth. Grace and truth came in through Jesus Christ. So what sets you free? It's truth. What sets people free is grace. Grace sets people free. The law, don't do this, don't do that, does not set people free. What does? Grace does. That's why, Paul, if you, if you read the book of Romans, I encourage you, if you want to dive more into this, go through the book of Romans. But you, you got to preach this so much to the point that you could go, well, I could just sin then. You're just giving people license to sin. That's how free you are. Because no longer, now, sin has already been dealt with, but if you do it, it's a choice that you make. But Paul says... Should we sin then so that grace may abound? He said, of course not. How could you? You, you die to it. You, you've accepted Jesus. You died to sin. So how is it even going to work in you? Right? This is how get people get set free. Is, yeah, do you want to live that lifestyle? Well, yeah, I really do. Go for it. God's not going to stop you. He's not going to hold you back. But here's the good news is you don't have to. Because what Satan doesn't tell you is that there is a payday on sin as well, but the devil doesn't tell you about that because let's be honest, sin is fun. Don't act as if you have not had fun sinning. <laughs> You're sitting there, oh, I, I never liked it in my past. <laughs> Liar! <laughs> is it fun? Yeah, I had a blast doing it. It was a good time. But it never showed that the end of it leads to death. Never told you that part. And then when death day came, now you start blaming everybody else but yourself. So that's the whole thing about it that is just is wrong, right? Here's the good thing is yeah, you can live however you want to live, but the good news is you don't have to. You can live the way that Jesus set you free from, and the gift of that and the lifestyle of that is more righteousness. Oh, and you don't, you don't have a conscience that's hurting you anymore. Isn't that good news to have a clean conscience? Oh, man, because listen, God doesn't condemn. So if you're feeling condemned this morning, guess what? It ain't God. You know what it is? It's your own heart. 1 John 3 tells us is that when we do sin, if I can't stand before God with my hands up and say, Lord, I love you and be okay, my heart condemns me. Why? Because there's something off. There's something wrong. Your heart will tell on you, follow that. So if there's something condemning you, just say, Lord, I need to change this. I need to repent of this. Just get it out of the way and have that clean slate before you and him. You want that. There's nothing better than living clean and going, okay, God, we're, we're good. We're able to fellowship. We're able to communicate, right? So a fight for that. It's worth it. I don't know where that came from, but let's continue on. Okay. So again, before the cross, the focus is on me. After the cross, the focus is on Jesus and what he did on our behalf. So what did Jesus do at the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection? Look, at I got just about three more verses and I'm done. If, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. When Jesus rose from the dead, look where he brought you. It says, I'm always thanking God for you because he has... Look at the word again. What? 
He's given you. What is that? No, what's the story? What, when you hear the word given, that is grace. It's unearned, undeserved. It's favor and it's spiritual blessing. You didn't do anything for it. He gave you such free and open access to his grace. What is his grace? And let me just, before we continue on, let me just define this word as I already did with it being its undeserved, unearned favor from God. But grace is also, in essence, it's, grace is the essence of who he is and is the basis for how he acts on our behalf. God is gracious to you. That's how he acts on our behalf. Now this is, I was reading a book from Tony Cook. You, probably some of you know Tony Cook. He's been here a few times. But he wrote this book, Grace, the DNA of God. And in it, he gives a really cool example of Dennis the Menace. Right? And you know, everybody know Dennis the Menace? And him and Joey are walking away from Mrs. Wilson's house. And Joey looks over at Dennis and he says, Dennis, isn't it amazing that, man, she found us to be really good boys today that she gave us all these cookies? And Dennis said, no, no, Joey, we didn't get cookies because we were good. We got cookies because Mrs. Wilson is good. That's grace. We didn't deserve any of this. How come we got all this? Not because we were good, but because he is so good. Oh, man, I'm living this free life. Why? Because I earned it? No, I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But because he is so good, he gave it to me. That's grace. That's grace acting on, my, on our behalf. And grace is more than just saving grace. And that's, this is kind of the key one that you hear about grace. But grace is so multifaceted. It's so much, it's, it's, there's a sanctifying grace. Where in order in this perverse world, the Bible says in Titus, that the grace of God teaches you to live a holy and separate life. Now, when you hear holy, don't think clothing. Right? <laughs> Just throw that out there right off the bat, you religious folk out there. Man, holiness is not no tattoos and you're wearing, you know, this crazy long Amish outfit. That has nothing to do with holiness. Holiness has nothing to do with an external, no jewelry. Right? There's some churches that still do this. Women can't wear jewelry and, you know, don't have the hair length. And what? That makes you holy? Holy just simply means set apart. So while the world is sick, I'm living well, I'm holy. While the world is panicking about their finances, I'm living a blessed life. That's holiness. It's separated you. You're separate from it, right? Um, oh yeah, that's sanctifying grace. Then there's serving grace. What I'm doing this morning is not of myself. God deposited a grace, a gift in me, to present the word of God so people get it. There's an anointing on my life to do it. Is it my own? Yeah, it's mine to steward. It's not mine for me. It's mine for the body, right? The same way we got people that can make crepes. We got people that can sing. We got people that can open doors nicely. We got people that can, you know, teach the kids. We got people that can teach the youth. We got people that know how to do the soundboard. We got people that know how to turn the lights on. All of these different things. What is that? It is serving grace. God has deposited grace into the body so that the body can grow and advance and take care of one another and help and strengthen, encourage and sharpen. This is what he designed it. So you see this, there's grace in so many different ways. There's, there's, um, well, there's two other ones, but I'll get to those another time because I can't remember them off the top of my head. There's a few other ones. Anyways, we'll get to it. But grace is more than just, okay, I'm saved by grace. Yeah, that's absolutely true, but grace is so much more. And the last part I want to mention, his grace is the empowering force behind who we become and all that we are enabled to do for him. How come you're able to do what you do? Grace enables me to do it. Grace enables you to do it. No matter what the job may be, maybe you're skilled with your hands, maybe you're skilled musically, whatever that grace is, the grace is there for you to strengthen eventually his plan that he has for this world. Cool. Okay. So now where you've been brought in, I've been given a free and open access to his grace. Anything I need from him, anything I want from him, I have access to. Remember again, back to Luke 15, that the prodigal son, when the older brother was whining, how come you didn't give me the fat calf? I wanted a barbecue for my birthday. You never gave me one. Right, just that, that annoying older brother. And then the father turned around and he said, everything I have is yours. So don't forget it. Everything that the father has is yours. What does the father have? 
cattle. Anybody want a cow? He'll hook you up. He will hook you up with whatever you need. Listen, you know, First Timothy, or sorry, First Peter chapter 2, it says that you have been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. Anything that you need in this life is provided. Jesus was never short on anything. How are we going to feed these 15,000 people? Oh, give me, that, give me that lunch kit. There it is. He never lacked. Why? Because he knew the Father loved him. <laughs> Amen. Bless you. All right, next verse I want to show you. Romans 5, verse 2. In the New Living Bible, it says, Because of our faith. Again, what's our faith? Our trust. Our confidence in Him. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of what? Undeserved privilege. So notice these words. Did you have to crawl your way into it? Do you have to work hard in order to get into this place? I just need the blessings of God. I just need the favor of God. I just need, I just need His grace. That's, that's, the wrong, you're, that's the wrong covenant. It's an old covenant that don't work. Oh God, I, I need you to do this for me. This is where we're missing it, people. I need you to see this. This is the biggest part that we're missing. Because of my faith in what Jesus done in the death, burial, and resurrection, Christ already brought me into this place of undeserved privilege. This is where I now stand. I confidently stand here. I'm not crawling to try to get to this place of undeserved privilege. And that this undeserved privilege would be healing for your body. It would be peace of mind. It would be the joy of the Lord. He's already given it to you. You stand in this place as if it already belongs to you. But if you keep crawling in, oh God, I need this and I need you to do, we're in the wrong covenant. You know what happens when you operate in the wrong covenant? He can't hear you. You're doing this. And God's going, baby, what? What? <laughs> and what are you talking about? He's just trying to point you to the cross. I, I, I took care of all this. He can't hear you. It's not that God's ignoring you. Hello, somebody. I believe this is somebody. The Spirit of God is wanting to tell you. He's not ignoring you. He can't hear you. Wrong covenant talk. You're talking old covenant. God's done with the old covenant. Jesus hung on the cross. What did he say when it was done? It is finished. Not his life. The covenant was done. The bondage that we were in, God put us in this box because to contain us because we were useless in ourselves and showing us how guilty we were, he wanted to lead us to Christ. And so that when we saw Christ, we go, I believe that and totally lift up the bondage. He's talking a new language now. How does God speak? He speaks new covenant. He speaks, it's already been done. He speaks, it is finished. Why do you keep coming to me, asking and pleading and begging and whining and, God, why aren't you doing this in my life? He's already done it. He's already done it. I believe that with all my heart, that this is for someone this morning, that you've been wondering, man, I've been praying and nothing seems to be happening. It's because you're talking wrong covenant. You're talking from the place of before the cross where the focus is on God trying to do something for me. He's already done it. So what do you need to do now? I need to align myself. I need to go into this New Testament. I need to find out what does the covenant say? What did he already tell me in his epistles? What did he already give me? Because I am united in Christ Jesus. Because of my union with Christ, I got connections. I'm connected. Say it with me, I'm connected. You know, all of a sudden you want him to go to like some nice fancy restaurant. And it's only for, you know, for certain VIP folk. And they got the red, you know, the red tape around there. And all of a sudden you walk in and you're like, oh, hey, ready to eat. And they go, whoa, 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 some big bouncer guy. Just, what are you, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? Uh, I'm just, just wanting to eat. This is for the VIP. Who do you think you are? Oh, and thank God Jesus comes right next to you. Oh, I'm with him. Oh, sir, yes, Mr. Housing. Uh, come on in. We're so glad that you came in. I'm connected. I've got connections. What's my connection? My connection is Jesus. So now when I approach the Father, I don't go, God, could you just maybe do this this one time? Lord, I just really need this to happen. No, I walk in, Hebrews tells us, boldly, confidently. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus that was poured out. You know, there's a gentleman, I'll finish with this. There's a gentleman, uh, Kenneth E. Hagan. I'm sure many of you have heard of him before, but he's, he's, a, he's a wonderful prophet of God that passed away 2002, I believe, so it's a few years ago now. Um, but he, he talks about, he had a vision that he had with the Lord, and he saw Jesus, and this is when I think the first time that he saw the Lord in his vision. 
he fell be before the Lord's feet and he said, Lord, I'm so unworthy. I'm so unworthy that I could even look on your face. And Jesus very sternly and lovingly said to him, stand up. My blood has made you worthy. And wh what are we doing with this religious junk? Oh God, I'm just unworthy. Are, are you kidding me? You are counting the blood as if it did nothing for you. Jesus spilt everything out. So now when you walk into the presence of God, I walk in there with ownership. Amen. Some people say, well, that's just arrogant. No, I'm, I'm not arrogant. I'm confident in what Jesus did for me. I believe that his blood is speaking more than what I messed up in. So when I walk in, I say, Father, I'm so glad that I'm in Christ Jesus. Lord, you said in your word, like this happened even just last night, there's sickness trying to attach itself to my family. And so I remember Jamie and I, we did it separately and I did it when I was driving to church last night. I said, Lord, you love us. You love us. And because you love us, I can now boldly and confidently come to your throne room of grace, receive help, get the mercy that I need. Lord, you said in your word, 1 Peter 2, 24, that sickness has already been dealt with by the stripes of Jesus. You already took that. So right now, Father, I'm thanking you. It is already a done deal. I'm not begging you to do it because it's already been done. Oh, yeah, but my kids feel this. No, 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 no. It's a finished work. Lord, I believe it. You said it. That settles it. Satan, take your hands off them. No way or that. And it was like, you didn't text me because I was preaching last night, but just within minutes, you know, probably, well, probably a little bit longer from I am, probably about a half hour when you sent me that text, about 30 minutes or so, completely changed. From the whining, from the flu, from the stuffiness of all this trying to attach itself. And all of a sudden, like Jamie, because at first she texted me, she's like, I want to be at church because she was at home with the three kids that were miserable. I went, I got to go, see ya. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the church is calling. The Lord's work needs to be done. I got to go. <laughs> so I ditched her with all that, with all that. I didn't ditch her. I didn't ditch her. But I just, I, I, I was angry in the car, but saying, no, this is not my covenant. My covenant doesn't say that. So I talked to him according to covenant talk. See, if I would have gone into the Lord and say, Lord, why does this always seem to happen to us? Why does, this, why does this always bad stuff happen, especially on Saturday nights when we got church stuff? And you think God is going, oh, baby, I'm so sorry that's happening. Listen, he cares. He cares, but he can't help you. As long as you're going to keep that mindset, there's nothing he can do. Why? Because he already did it. So what is he going to do? Throw Jesus on the cross again? He's already done it. So let me encourage you. I believe I was just... The, the, the word the Lord had for someone this morning is switch the covenant. Get out of the old covenant. It is done. It's not for you. It's done. You're part of this new covenant. And this is what love did for you. He took you out of the law and he puts you into this undeserved part of this new covenant. And this is what love did for you. He took you out of the law and he puts you into this undeserved privilege where you now confidently stand and you proclaim. And that's why we're singing these songs boldly. Man, I will proclaim some things. Man, what am I? I'm free. Well, I know what you did last night. No, 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 no. Hey, thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we would love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.